It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 447 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. This week, it's the return of Matt Knowles and Steph Cannon from Insymmetry Creations. And they have a Kickstarter going on that will conclude later today. It's for Tales from Nocturnia number 1 to 3 plus Complete Legendary Saga Book. We go in-depth on this concluding book of the miniseries trilogy, which is described like this. The Sinisterians revel in their destruction of Nocturnia, but did they make a grave mistake by leaving Beninok the Executioner alive? We talk about this fascinating story and what they can tell us about how it will conclude, how successful this Kickstarter project has already been, and what we can look forward to from them in the months ahead. This creative duo is always fun to talk with, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy what they have to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome back to the podcast the folks from Insymmetry Creations. And since uh, Matt always goes first, let's start with you, Steph. Ladies first here. Steph Cannon, how are you, Steph? I am doing great. We are um, <laughs> we are working ourselves like crazy, but we don't know any different. So, um, yeah, I'm doing really good. I was going to say, what's different? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then the main guy behind Insymmetry Creation has been from the start is Matt Knowles. How are you, Matt? Hey, I'm doing good, doing good. Um, well, I'll say this. I'm the main guy behind Airs, but Steph and I are 100% 50-50 when it comes to uh, it comes to uh, Insym. That was when we decided to put our stuff together. We decided that we were going to, uh, you know, no matter what I put in, what she put in, everything was 100% 50-50 because our efforts are equal. I was thinking more like when Heirs of Asilda first started, you were the, the main yep. guy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes. I was thinking about that. So let's jump right to the important stuff that's going on now. When this posts, people are only going to have a few hours left that they can uh, jump onto the Kickstarter. It's called on Kickstarter Tales from Nocturnia number one to three plus complete legendary saga book. And it's going to end on Sunday, August 16 at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So you're only going to have a few hours after this is done. So some people react better that way. So it might be better with some people that all of a sudden you don't have time to sit and wonder whether you should or not. You you, you do it now or you don't. That's right. So, so if you guys are listening to this right now, what you want to do is you want to pause what you're doing. Pause even listening to this podcast right now and go over to tinyearl.com forward slash TFN one dash three. Go back to Kickstarter, then come back here and listen to the rest of the singing. Go, man, I really on a leap of faith made a great decision because these guys are totally cool. <laughs> That's great. So we did. So we've got limited time now. The, the, this whole thing, you've had several books. This is Heirs of a Soldier came out, and then this is like a mini series, uh, Tales from Nocturnia. 
Uh, well, Matt, why don't you, because you were the, the driving force behind that, why don't you give people a, a brief, just in case they haven't heard it before, what Heirs of Isildur has been about? So Heirs of Isildur is a steampunk time travel story that we like to say is time travel in reverse because it's not about um, getting into a time machine and going off into um, other time periods or having easy access to be able to go back and forth between different timelines and things like that. It's about a puritanical steampunk enclave and their watch and clockmaker named Michael Isildur, who was all about making sure time works exactly as it should, who one day, because of his loneliness and curiosity, happens upon something that he goes and explores and starts tinkering with that st- that ends up opening up a time portal and starts bringing people from other eras to him. Um, Heirs of Isildur as a story basically is about how does he work to integrate these people into his society, into this puritanical steampunk enclave without the people of the town realizing who they are, where they've came from Um, with the puritanical side of it. They, they want some creativity, but they want creativity down a single lane. They don't want anybody going outside of that and potentially doing things that could be supernatural or or unexplained to them. Um, now, you could have me go on, or you could have Steph talk about how Tales from Nocturnia links in. I'm not sure if that's where you wanted me to go or you want her to go, but Tales from Nocturnia definitely links into airs um, through what we just talked about with those portals. Okay, well, why don't we do that? Let's, Steph, why don't you go ahead and move from there and talk about Tales from Nocturnia and you know how this ties into the whole universe and, and uh, where we're at with this. Yeah, so how it ties in is there are, you know, like Matt kind of explained, there are these portals in Eras of Isildur that are bringing people from all different eras, all different times. And one of the people that is brought through to our main character, Michael Isildur, is a medieval king. And we get a little bit of a background on where that king exactly came from. He kind of tells his story of where he, you know, what the events were that happened before he kind of stepped through this portal. And in his kingdom, he uh, discovered that his right-hand man was having an affair with the queen, his wife. And there is, um, he is, he sets the the right-hand man, uh, whose name is Zarek, to be executed. And on execution day, Zarek is executed. And then uh, the queen is so distraught that she either falls to her death or jumps to her death. That kind of is open to interpretation a little bit. Uh, the king is so distraught by these events that he rides off in, into the forest, kind of almost exiling himself. But uh, it's at this point in time that he steps through the portal and ends up in the heirs of Isildur world. So uh, what Tales from Nocturnia is, is what happens to this kingdom after that happens? Because now you've got this medieval kingdom that is without all of their power, all of their ruling forces. And um, it, it, it explores, you know, the characters within that that world and that universe and, and, and what happens after the king disappears. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, issues one and two have already come out, and this is issue three, which is, from what I'm reading, it's a, a double-sized book. Yep, absolutely. Just like how issue two is 40 pages, this one's going to be 44. Um, with issue two, there just was some stuff we couldn't tell in a regular-sized issue, so it had to be 40 pages. For this issue, it's the same way, where 
for us to say, to tell exactly what we wanted to tell just wasn't going to be able to happen in less pages. And there wasn't even a, there wasn't even a good split point to be like, Oh, we could do a 22 or 24 page issue and then do a fourth one and do it the other half. Um, there's just too much of a, of a, a very focused stream of thought going on in this issue that if we would have tried to split it up, it would have felt like we were trying to, to bilk our fan base. We wanted to get this all out in this issue and also for the trade as well. So that that way, those who want to get trades and those who want to get single issues can both get to the climax of the story at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be fun. I mean, I, I can't wait to see it. Issue two ends, and, and this is the way it's described a little bit. This is the Sinisterians, which I love that name, revel in their destruction of Nocturnia, but did they make a grave mistake by leaving Beninoc, the executioner, alive? Which is, of course, a question we're going to get to answer in this book. And I'm, I'm just fascinated about how this is going to do. I mean, not many stories in or come to a place where a kingdom is destroyed. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. They're, they're building things and things are moving forward and stuff like that. So to come to this place to me, was a real daring move, I think on you guys part. So I really liked that a lot. I mean, is that the way you guys planned this from the beginning is that you wanted this, these three issues or this story to follow this path or, or was this something that's kind of evolved naturally as you started putting the story together? I would say, Steph, wouldn't you think it was like a little bit of both? I mean, we knew yeah. that we knew that the events were going to happen the way that they're going to happen in these issues, but I I don't think that I don't think when we originally planned it, we expected some of the insanity to happen that did in issue two. Like I think that the the grotesque nature of some of the things that happened in two kind of raised their level a little bit as we're putting it together. But the the framework of the story, we wanted to be different. We didn't want it to be like Lord of the Rings, where you have a three part opus where, um, you know, and at the end of two towers, you're like, oh, they had one battle and the good guys won. And now in the next one, they're going to have an even bigger battle and the good guys are going to win again. We wanted to do it a little bit differently to be like, oh, crap, we didn't expect that what was going to happen at the end of issue two was going to happen. How in the world are these guys going to get out of this? So that that way we really had a a new clean slate for how we wanted to bring things together in issue three. Yeah, I would say it was it was definitely an organic process. We we and everything that we write and this has been a big philosophy of Matt's even before I ever even met him was you have to uh, start with your ending. You need to know where you're going. You need to know your ending. You need to at least know what's going to happen to all these character arcs. So we knew that much. And we knew how we how we wanted to start. But filling in some of the, the middle pieces was a little bit of an organic process. And I don't even think I think even now when we look back, we're kind of surprised at how where it came, you know, how it came to be. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that's interesting to me, of course, is that, that people like real life people get involved with these stories like uh, Richard Rivera, who I, I work with on Stabity Bunny and stuff like that. He is involved in the stories. He's he has become a character in the books and I, he's got a card I understand and there's all kinds of uh, well let's just say <laughs> sometimes when real life people get involved in in not life stories let's just say that they don't always end well for that person <laughs> oh, are you say, are you saying that you uh you found it interesting to find Richard's head on a spike in the marketing for issue three I mean uh not sure what you're talking about there. We, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't put Richard's head on a spike on the Kickstarter page. That didn't happen. 
Well, I have to say, I've, I've never seen that before. I'll have to, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we definitely had fun with that. And Richard has been such a great friend to us. It's fun when we get to include people in different ways that we think is going to, you know, even if it just gives them a little bit of a laugh or, you know, they can say, hey, I'm in a comic book, as in I have a character, I have speaking lines, I have an arc. That's just fun to say. And it's it's great to be able to give that opportunity to people. That's okay. I, there's other people that this has happened to. I mean, do you want to talk, uh, uh, give us an idea who the couple of those other people are? So, so one of the things that was really interesting was the first person to sign on to, to be in this issue is named Sam Kinnis or and to be in this series. And he's a good friend of one of our, our, uh, our cover artists named Drew Pritchett. And we don't know Sam outside of the relationship of him being a, a backer of our, of our project. So we actually had to go to Drew. We knew, we told people, Hey, look, you may not make it out of the issue and it's going to be an epic way that you make it, that you do leave. And when we were getting ready to, um, to kill off Drew's character in issue two, spoiler alert, or it's not Drew, but Sam's, we actually went back to Drew and we're like, we could be pretty insane with this. Are you, do you think that Sam is going to be okay with this? And he was like, Oh man, make it as crazy as possible. Make it where he's never going to forget what happens to him. And so that's why his character, the lookout has what happens to him in that issue. And, um, when with the band in fairy um, that's in issue two, um, they weren't, they weren't intended on being in the series until we started planning for issue two. We already had a spot open for a group like who the Inferians were, but we didn't realize that it was actually going to be in fairy that it was going to be. And they could not have fit into that role any more perfectly than they did. But right from the get go, the first conversation we ever had with them was, oh man, it'd be really cool to get killed off in a comic book. And they kind of started talking about it. And so that put Steph and I in a little more of a creative mode to be like, what kind of absolutely absurd way can we kill these guys off? Cause they're an extreme metal band. Can, can they get killed off in a way that their fan base is going to look at it and go, oh man, that's totally extreme. Just like their music. And then they, they, you see what happens to the Inferians in issue two. Right. Right. That's just wild stuff. So can, can we expect some more of that kind of thing in issue three? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can you tell? Is there any kind of hints you can give us? I don't want to spoil it, but might we see something along those lines? Uh, real life people being so, involved in the story? So I would say this and Steph, correct me if I'm wrong. I would say that we always like to keep people guessing and we think, and, and, of course, there could be individuals that that pass in this issue, but we think that it also would be just as crazy for us to see some of these people not die, you know, because everybody's expecting that we're going to kill off all these live people now. So maybe they live, maybe they don't. And we'll kind of see where, you know, let's keep everybody guessing so that when we get to that issue, we can see where we go. Interesting, because you have set the, the the pattern that not everybody survives, obviously. And so when you do that, you know, it, it, it makes it, to me, it's much more fun to read because I can't know what's going to happen. If I know I'm bored, you know, I'm going to be real with you because everybody, you know, you know, Batman, as much as I love him, I know he's going to survive every book. He has to. But, you know, in your story, 
I don't know what you're going to do. And I like that. I like to read a book where I don't know, you know, what you're going to do or where you're going to go. And so for me, that's a lot of fun. That's one of the things I really enjoy about you guys writing is the fact that you make things, you know, you take me places I, I can't imagine I'm going to go. And that, that to me is half the fun of reading these kinds of things. Well, well, thank you. That's, that's definitely what we're, we're aiming for. We don't want people to say, oh, you know, they have all these characters, but we know they're all going to die at the end. <laughs> or, or, you know, if they, if they write in a real life person, they're definitely going to die. Cause that's always what happens. We want to kind of change it up a little bit so that you are wanting to read more and wanting to get the next issue. Or if you finish that issue, you want to read more of our stories because you know that we're going to, to kind of keep you on your toes. So that that's definitely what we're aiming for with that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I, I know I personally learned from, from two shows and that's South Park and the walking dead, where when a big event starts to become a trope within itself, you have to change it up. So like with, with the walking dead, it was always, who's going to be the person that's going to die in the season opener. Who's going to die in the season finale. And you're like, Oh, they're introducing this character. Are they just introducing them to die? And it's like, at the beginning, when certain people got killed off in The Walking Dead, it was shocking because you really invested yourself in those characters. But after a while, it just became, okay, they're just bringing this guy in so they can have somebody to kill off. And then in South Park, they had Kenny, who at the beginning of the South Park run, they killed him off at the end of every single episode. They found a way to kill Kenny off. And then they got to a point, they're just like, look, this is stupid. We've done this over and over and over again. It's just a trope. We want to stop killing Kenny off. So they actually wrote him off this off the series for years. And then they brought him back and they're like, we're not going to do it anymore. Kenny's just going to be a character just like everybody else. And kind of learn from that. You don't want to use the same thing over and over and over again. Because like you said, when it becomes expected and people know that's exactly what you're going to do, then then you've lost that element of surprise, and that element of fun where people really don't know where this journey is going to go. Mm-hmm. And see, that's franchise problems. I mean, when I read books, you know, like I said, Batman has to be back so that he can, you know, somebody else can write him. But you guys, these are your characters. These are your things. These are going to be what you want them to be. And as such, that's so much more fun to read for me, you know. And so that's why, you know, you guys books and anybody who has not picked up your stuff, I I highly encourage you to do that because you're going to get something that you haven't seen before. And that's always a tremendous pleasure for somebody like me who's been reading as long as I have to see something and go places new. <laughs> I really enjoy that. It's the one of the things about your guys' books is so different and so unexpected. That's things I just love. I can tell you one of the things that I've personally enjoyed the most about the way this series has come around is the evolution of the Stable Maidens. Um, in issue one and the pre- the previous marketing, like we've like the pre-marketing. We, we knew there was five, but we only got to meet two of them in issue one. And we got the names of the other three and we saw them do something in issue one, but there wasn't, they weren't really involved too much in issue two. We got to explore two of the other ones that were left and really got to develop them as characters. And then in issue three, without giving any spoilers away, because some stuff happens to, the Nocturnians and some of the other people, we really get to flesh out all of them and they take on an enormous role in issue three. And so it's been really fun to be able to see this group of badass females that 
has evolved in the story and we've been able to unlock little bits here, little bits there. We even did a, a, um, an anthology piece for an anthology called housebound. And they wanted us to, um, write a story about what was going on with you during the, during the, the, um, the lockdown and everything. And they said, you can use existing characters as long as you can put them into that kind of environment. So we took Nocturnian Sinisteria and we said, here's something that happened prior to everything that's gone on in our story when a plague hit, hit, this, hit these lands. Yeah. And so we got to go back before everything that happened in Heirs of the Sealdor and before everything that happens in the series and take these characters and put them back in that environment. And so we got to see a little bit of the king and Zarek and the queen before everything went south. We got to see a little bit of all the stable maidens, all five of them back prior to all this. So when we get to the trade, we're in the trade, we actually put all the issues and all the previous prequel pieces in chronological order. You're going to get to see a little bit more about who the stable maidens are even then before you even get into the series. So it was kind of fun seeing them evolve and build into this unit that, that really wasn't as fleshed out when we had the initial discussions as it became. Hmm. See, you mentioned something. You, you you talked about something that made me up my my uh, pledge. I, at first, I was only going to get issue three because, well, I'd seen the, the other books, but there were all these little extra pieces that I had never got to see before. And so that pushed me up to get – there's a, a digital uh, level that gets me to uh, – that I can buy all these extra things and, and I get them all included in it. So I, I up my pledge from just getting issue three to the digital version that has all these little pieces parts that I can read the whole thing and get the whole saga. So I was like, wow, I said, I got to see that. So I, I was really pleased when I saw that and these things and all these little extra pieces were going to be available. That's one of the things I love about a Kickstarter. It gives us this chance to get the whole story rather than just like pieces of it. Well, I definitely, I definitely am glad that you, uh, that you did that, especially being the kind of uh, story person who buries themselves in stories and really gets to character studies like you do, mm-hmm. because you're right. Not only are you going to be able to get um, the housebound, our piece that was in the housebound anthology, you're going to get to be able to be able to see all the stuff that was in air six, the flashback that was in there repositioned just slightly so that it makes sense in this story, not as a flashback being told by a different character. Um, you're also going to get some exclusive content that is nowhere else, but in the, um, but in the trade. And we also went back and we relettered issue one, uh, just like we did with airs where we lettered the whole series before we did the trade. Um, we settled on the style of lettering that we wanted when we got to issue two. Um, just, 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 just some things thematically that we wanted to do a little bit different. So we went back when it um, came time for the trade and relettered the entirety of issue one so that when you look at this trade beginning to end, you're going to see every page in there lettered with the same style, the same font as a, as a main font. Um, so it doesn't feel as disjointed. You're going to be able to see, at least see the word bubbles having a unity all the way through the story. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Now, Steph, I got to talk with you about something. We we may have talked about this before, but uh, we're recording this on a day when the first woman of color has been, let's say, nominated to a high office here in in the country. And we've been talking about badass females and stuff like that. (laughs) Talk to me about the women in, in Tales of from Nocturnia, because to me, you guys do a great job of making female characters live and breathe really well. And to me, that's a big accomplishment. I always say that 
a lot of women are, are lowest lanes, you know, screaming for help and, you know, crying and all that stuff. But your guys, females, oh, they go the whole gamut. And it's one of the things I just love. And talk to me about that as a, as a female creator and what that all means to you and, and how this all comes together. Oh, thank you. We, we try really hard to, to make them be organically strong. And by that, I mean, we don't want it to seem so forced that everybody goes, oh, well, they're just doing that because that's what they think we want to read. We want living, breathing, believable characters. And I have to hand it to Matt, too. Matt, just as much as I want to read about those characters and create those characters, Matt does, too. And, you know, I think it'd be easy for somebody to kind of write off and go, well, you know, here's this dude that, you know, you know, he's going to he wants to do the hack and slash. But he has been it's been straight down the middle with him wanting strong female characters, too. And I think that comes from from he himself being raised by a strong woman with, you know, from his mom. And um, so it was so much fun writing these female characters. It was great, too. And, and one of the things we discussed early on was we really wanted to have some some family ties here. This is a small kingdom. There's going to be families. There's going to be uh, relationships that have conflicts, whether it be, you know, parents or siblings or wh- whatever the case may be. And so it's really fun to see some of these kind of arrogant male characters that we created get kind of put in their place by <laughs> these strong women who, you know, one is, one is the sister of, of a certain character. And so it's fun to make them still be, they're still feminine. They're still women. They're still, they still have love interests. They still have families, their moms, some of them, but they, and, and one of the things that we really drive home about the stable maidens is nobody needs to look at them as, Oh, these are just women that tend to the horses. Now they train these horses. These are battle horses. These aren't just horses that go and graze in the field all day. These are horses that are supposed to be trained in battle. And, and these women are the ones that are that are getting them ready for that. And also training the soldiers who are going to go out and, and fight how to ride, how to how to um you know be in battle while on a horse. So they're, you know, we we, we often say, you know, who's who's stronger, more brave? The people that are going out on the field or the people who are are holding the fort down and preparing everybody for these moments. So it's been a lot of fun. I really love Marcelise, who is our kind of our main, you know, main female character. And as you get a sense of in the stories, that she is a love interest for Ben and Ock, who is, you know, our, our main male lead. But she is definitely not this girl that is just pining over him in the corner, you know, batting her eyelashes at him. She's actually very kind and caring and is willing to stick up for what she believes in and stick up for him when nobody else really is. It's so interesting because you guys have developed this fantasy world in which these very real and living characters are in there. Some of the most vibrant and alive characters, realistic characters that I've seen in, in fiction. And so I really think that you guys have accomplished that and you deserve some real credit for making these, you know, it's so often the fictional characters are, are sort of two dimensional, but not you guys, you guys have made these characters live and breathe to me. I feel like I know these people, which is just, you know, I, that makes me care about what happens to them you know, so much. So I just, I think you guys need to be recognized for that. I think that's just wonderful how you've done that. Oh, thank you so much. We really appreciate that because that's definitely what we're going for and what we love to read in stories. And of course, what 
you live to read in stories is what you hope to convey in the ones that you create yourself. So we really appreciate that. That's super cool. I really think that's, you've done a great job on that. Now, uh, talking about issue three, are there things you can tell us about issue three that, you know, maybe uh, might entice people to jump on board at this point or get more involved? I mean, Matt, are there things that, that, that you can talk about without spoiling stuff or are there kind of hints rather than spoilers as far as issue three? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So in issue three, where we basically start off for issue three, it's called Welcome to the Dragon's Lair. And for the first two issues, we spend most of our time in in and around Nocturnia. At the end of issue two, you know, we've already talked about on the podcast, um, we've had the big battle where Nocturnia didn't fare very well. And we start the thing off and even the marketing on Kickstarter is the three, we call the, the Trinity of, of evil uh, the three leaders of Sinisteria. And we actually get to see a lot more of Sinisteria of, of where they are from, because at this point in the story, Nocturnia to them has become almost an afterthought and like a play toy to them. You know, there's some people that are left that are living, but they've already gone in. Uh, King Lucian is gone. They've destroyed the army. They've, they basically left them for, for, you know, for dead, you know, they've laid them to waste and they're going on about their business of, you know, well, what's the next thing we're going to do? And, and what's the next thing we're going to conquer? We've, we've already conquered our, our biggest enemy in Nocturnia. And we get to see a little bit of arrogance from, from uh, Narkath, who's the king, uh, his queen, Endolin, and then the beast Verminoth, who's the big blue guy that you get to see. And, um, you know, so, so we tried to frame the story where you're seeing a lot more from that side. And it was really fun to dig in and, and get the final designs on what we wanted uh, Sinisteri to look like. Um, we have a new penciler for issue three. His name is Stephen Baker, and he is incredibly detail-oriented, just like Steph and I are. And there are some scenes and some settings that that don't come up until we get to issue three, so we didn't have to have all of those things really... We knew what the framework was, but we didn't need to have them all designed down to the nth degree until we got to issue three. And he worked really hard and really diligently with us to make sure that the things we wanted to have happen um, in Sinisteria, in Nocturnia, so on and so forth, were really worked out before we started drawing the issue so that that way we didn't put our, pin ourselves in a corner when we got to the end and say, Hey, we really didn't think about this. Do we really, do we make this how it needed to be? So when we got to the end that, you know, we weren't like, Oh crap, now we got to go back and fix 10 pages earlier because we didn't think about this. He looks at art the same way we've looked at the story about let's make sure where I'm, when I'm getting to this end point, I'm where I need to be. And, and he did a really good job of helping us to make sure that little tiny things were worked out well when we get, when we were in that scripting phase. Really cool. Now you bring up something that I wanted to talk about was the uh, on you go to the Kickstarter page and we're going to talk about the project itself very shortly. But I got a kick. You talked about the Dragon Lord mask, which is something that you go into. And I thought I noticed dragons played a lot of uh, well. Let's just say they get a lot of attention in the Kickstarter. And so I was kind of interested. I, I obviously dragons are going to be a significant part of the story in issue three. I mean, is, is that a safe assumption from the Kickstarter? Uh, do you want to take this stuff or you want me to take it? I, I, both 
take it. Uh, yeah, there's we. It was kind of funny because dragons have always been in the story. We always knew they were going to be, and we were just kind of talking one day after a show, and we both kind of I think had the realization at the same time we need to really market dra- these dragons more because people love dragons, people love fantasy stories, and even if you are somebody that is walking past your booth at a convention, if you're maybe not a comic reader and you're just kind of there for other reasons, you may be a, a dragon fan. You're going to want to stop and see some of the products that we have. So we have a ton. And the one that you brought up is the, the dragon Lord mask. That is something that our friends at GD Leatherworks, uh, Harrison Hansen um, did for us. And we, 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 we've known these guys for a while. We have actually been at shows where, we have, you know, had boost next to them and they are honest to goodness leather makers. They make amazing products. They made the leather gauntlets that we've had in one of our other campaigns for Nocturnia. And they kind of just had this crazy idea for this, this crazy dragon Lord mask. And that is literally what it is. It's this huge mask that can be worn and is a custom made. There's a couple of different uh, colors. I think that we can, that they can do. And we've, we've had some, we've, we've had some responses to it. People really love it. Um, but we, we definitely do have a lot of other dragon products. So since we said we were going to talk, we both were going to talk about it. I'll let Matt kind of talk about some of the other products we have. So, so yeah, one of the things that was really interesting about the way that the dragons came about was we, when we started, we had the original thoughts for the campaign. We, wanted to do basically just a few, a few different things. Dragon wise, we knew we needed to have um, the dragon logo, which is the, uh, the dragon's lair emblem. And we wanted to have a shirt and we wanted to have a, a face mask. I mean, because in the day, the, the day and age that we're living in, you have to wear a face mask everywhere. And so we thought having that emblem on the, the, the shirt and the mask was something we really wanted to do. Um, so, as the campaign evolved, you know, we, uh, we have a, a woodworker at a carbon craft that made us some, some wooden logo tales from Nocturnia stickers. They're actually a piece of wood that are stickers. And we had talked with him early on and said, you know, we may have some opportunities as this campaign goes on, depending on how, how well it does to do some other things. And we had showed him the, um, the dragon's lair emblem logo. And he was like, man, we could do some cool stuff with this. And so we decided, Hey, you know, let's do some, uh, some coasters. And then we also have a, a nearly foot across size wall plaque of the dragon's lair logo. And like Steph had stated, uh, the stuff from, from, uh, Harrison and Martin over at, uh, GB leatherworks that was sprung on us. We had no idea that those guys were wanting to do that. They were like, yeah, we want to up the game. We really enjoy working with you guys. And we think it's fun to push ourselves to come up with something new. And they showed us the, the wall hanger first, uh, which was the, the, the wall mounted dragon head was the first thing they showed us. And then they're like, yeah, we do these other things, you know, just kind of just for fun. They did the little keychains. And then they showed us the Dragon Lord mask and stuff. And I were like, what are we going to do with this thing? This is insane. This doesn't have any business being in a quote unquote comic Kickstarter. And, you know, hey, we'll find a way to market this thing. And next thing you know, we've sold a bunch of these things and people have really loved them. And, you know, more power to them. If they want to buy one of these things that have this giant, you know, Dragon Lord mask, hey, that sounds great. You know, we're really glad that there's a market for those things. So 
when we came out with the Dragon Lord mask, we said, you know what? We need to have a single tier with these add-on items where everything dragon in the entire campaign is there. We have a foil cover with the um, the Sinisterian Dragon's Lair logo. We have the main cover that's got some dragons on it. We've got the COVID mask. Um, we've got the shirt. We've got all three of the things from... Um, from GB Leatherworks, and then we have two of the things from Carvencraft, all as a single tier, most expensive tier we've ever put together, but we put them out there, so if somebody wants it, they can go get all their dragons and decorate their house with our stuff. <laughs> it's really cool. It's fun. I mean, that's the one thing I really like about dragons and stuff, that it has that fantasy fun feel when they get involved. That's just great stuff. Now, I, I always seem to – Walter Osley is doing some covers for you too because Walter, he, he seems to get involved in a lot of Kickstarters, and it's nice to see him doing stuff with you guys too. Talk about that. I mean, how did you guys get involved with him doing these – he's doing these <laughs> Tales from Nocturnia things. looks like uh, uh, GPK homage, it's called, and I'm tr- it's the uh, kids, the Garbage Pail kids. kids. Kind of. yep. Yeah. So – I'll take that one as a start. So Steph and I were at a show and, and I can tell you one of the, uh, one of our biggest influences in this was actually someone you had mentioned earlier in Richard Rivera. Um, Richard does a absolutely bang up job of finding ways to take his characters and incorporate them into pop culture references and, and make amazing merchandise and, he really influenced us. We did a, a Brian Silverback's Incredible Hulk 182 homage before, but we're like, you know, we really need to find a way to take what we do and incorporate a little bit more into some pop culture. And I'm a huge Garbage Pail Kids fan. I still have every Garbage Pail Kid that I've ever had. I don't have any original series one, but I've got some original series two from all the way back in the mid 80s. And they still make Garbage Pail Kids to this day. And you know, I've collected them. My son, who just graduated from uh, the Air Force Academy um, for basic training, collected them with me. My daughter, who's 14 years old, has collected them with me. My other daughter got me, you know, and didn't even know she did it, got me the most expensive Garbage Pail Kid ever created um, that's considered one of the Holy Grail Garbage Pail Kids in a, in a Kmart pack one time. So it's just been a family thing where my kids and I have done this. And, um, I told Steph, I was like, you know, we were at a show in January and I'm like, I want one of our next things we do to be based on the Garbage Pail Kids. And she and I sat down and talked about how we could do that. And we came up with those two Garbage Pail Kids ideas and we needed to have the right artist to be able to bring those to light. They're actually based on the most popular Garbage Pail Kid ever named Adam Bob. Whenever you see any of the Garbage Pail Kids marketing, the main image that you see is Adam Bob. And so... We took the atom bomb image and we said we wanted to make Beninok the Executioner, who's the main guy on the Nocturnian side, and and uh, Verminoth, who's the main guy on the Sinisterian side. And we wanted to put them into that um, atom bomb garbage pail kid feel. And Steph and I had batted around a couple of ideas about who would do it, but Walter was the one who we're just like, this is the guy. This is the guy that's going to be able to take this idea and this concept. And, and make it what we want because his art for Metal Shark Bro is there's a whimsical nature to the way that he draws. And we wanted to make sure that, that we got somebody that could make it look like Garbage Pail Kids, but then also make it look like their style at the same time. And he absolutely knocked it out of the park. And once we finally got the, uh, got the concept down, he knocked those things out so quick. I mean, 
what it taken stuff like a couple of days to get us oh, yeah. both of the garbage pail kids and a couple variations that, you know, we didn't use because he wanted to give us some options color wise. And um, I mean, yeah, it was a couple days. He knocked it out. And we're like, dude, this is great. So that was, that was actually the first thing that was done art wise for this issue was Walter getting these garbage pail kids covers done for us a couple of months ago. Wow. Wow. That's cool. So all this stuff is great fun stuff. I, I would be remiss though, if we didn't talk about before we go now, granted, as I said, we're recording this ahead of time. So when this posts, I, I'm hoping you guys are way beyond where we are while we're talking. You guys have to be extremely pleased with how, well, this Kickstarter has gone. I mean, you know, uh, you guys, I, we can probably mention that your original goal was $4,500. And when we're talking, you're at, right on the verge of doubling that. And I, I think that's a real credit to you guys for how you have built this fan base and made things, I think, that it just appeals to people and resonates with fans and things like that. So I, I just have to congratulate you guys. This is just a wonderful thing to see a Kickstarter like this just take off. And, you know, like you've talked about masks and all these amazing things that you guys have incorporated into this. Not many Kickstarters get to do that and do it successfully like you guys have done. So I just I just wanted to tell you guys, you should. Re- I'm sure you're really proud of how this has gone. And I, I, by the time this posts, I, I think you've probably gone even beyond it. While we're talking, you're, you're trying to get to the stretch goal of nine thousand dollars that that double number i, I just I, I what's your guys reaction to how this gone i mean how long did it take for you guys to get to the the, the original goal we um, funded we i first of all thank you because we it's I, I think we have to pinch ourselves every now and then because everybody yeah. hopes that we'll do good you know but that that you'll do good when you run a campaign but when it kind of exceeds your wildest <laughs> thoughts it's kind of you just look around and go wow you know but we have really worked hard we funded in seven days which was kind of a fun thing that we wanted to be able to say and very quickly started talking about stretch goals and other things that we could do but we have I I think that we I'd like to say at least I feel confident in saying that we have found a formula that is working well for us as far as the support merge like you mentioned and uh, we've been doing a lot of shows. We've been really reaching out and interacting and supporting a lot of other creators, which also helps a lot. But I, I think, you know, I remember talking with Matt before the campaign launched and I said, you know, what number do you think that we could get to? And he he said a number. And I remember thinking, wow, I, I that seems impossible. And we've surpassed that number. So, you know, it just goes to show you you never know what's going to work uh, sometimes if you don't don't put yourself out there and try. And, and one of the things, too, that we tried to be very careful about when we started the campaign was we tried to use the phrase minimum funding level, because for people like yourself who saw when we did um, number two, that campaign we ran end of October till the end of November. And that was a nightmare of a campaign because that's a really bad time to run a campaign. And we funded for that campaign on the second to last day. We had our minimum ask on that one at 5000 and And to be completely honest, we were really nervous because we didn't want to go through that again. We didn't want to go through um, the stress and the angst and the just the are we going to get to where we want to get to um, like we did in that one. So we, we knew we needed more money than what we asked for to be able to do the things we wanted to do. But we did not want to go through that insanity of of are we going to fund on the second to last day so when we had a really really great first day for us 
And then we funded, like Steph said, in seven days. You know, we had a lot of ideas of where we wanted to go with our stretch goals. We knew we wanted to do some some unlockable add-ons, things like that. That's when the fun came in because we were able to do things like unveil these crazy dragon heads and and a lot of trading cards. We didn't do we we normally do trading card series uh, with all of our issue releases, and we've actually done two for Tales from Nocturnia and one for Heirs. And for this one, we didn't want to do a full series because we just released what's called In Sim Series Three, which was the second one for Tales from Nocturnia, just before everything hit with the lockdown. So we didn't want to go and cut the knees out from under that series because we haven't really been able to go out there and do a ton of shows with it. So we said, Hey, we'll just make some exclusive cards and some, um, some, you know, uh, perk cards for this. So all the trading cards we've actually put out there for this series are all going to be hollow foil. And they all are ones that you can get as, as, um, as stretch goal add-ons. We did one for each one of the, uh, garbage bail kids. We actually introduce a new character, um, through one of the trading cards. And then for, as you had mentioned earlier, uh, Richard, and then one of our, one of our biggest uh, friends and supporters, Annie Barrett, we, we decided we wanted to make them cards. They had no idea that we were going to get, make them those cards. They had no idea that that was a part of anything about the, the fandom or the support, but that was something that was very personal to Steph and I, that we wanted to show people that this is how much we care about these people that have put support behind us, whether it be a financial support or just encouraging us in the industry and doing the kind of things that they've done for us, that, that we're willing to actually put our money out there and give people something um, to show the, the way that they have supported us. Hmm. It's really great. Good. I, I, it's just wonderful stuff to think that you guys have done made this just tremendous, but I've got to ask you guys, of course, this has been a big success. Do you guys have something in mind to follow up Tales from Nocturnia? I mean, what's going to be next for In Symmetry Creations? You want this one, Steph, or you want me to take it? Yeah, well, I think, again, I think this is one that we can both answer. This is a fun question that we love. We we always have, well, I mean, there was a point in time where we started talking about different story ideas and, and said, let's put them on a spreadsheet. And it was 26 ideas later. You know, we have this crazy spreadsheet, but we do have definitive plans. We are going to continue the Heirs of Sildor story uh, with a, we, we call it kind of a sequel or a continuation, however you want to look at it. And this will be fun because I'll actually get to be involved in helping Matt co-write at this time, because as I, I think we, we touched on it with this podcast, Matt had already been, had already created Heirs and had the story thought out by the time we met. So I stepped in as a story consultant and editor. And this time around, this is kind of a a, a new um, set of of issues or stories to go along in the Airs universe, and so it'll be fun that we get to kind of put our, our brains together. But we, uh, I'll let Matt talk about uh, things on the music side as well. So yeah, so one of the things we want to try to get into for the next Kickstarter, and again, we'll have, just have to see if that's what happens or not. Is for Airs, we have um, a twelve track metal album that would that went along with the story with the crossroads conundrum and kind of like how we touched on earlier about South park and the walking dead and all that. We didn't want to like have what we did become a trope where like with tales from nocturne, we with uh, heirs of a seal to the crossroads conundrum, the CD and the songs interacted all throughout the story. And they, uh, you know, there were times they were character origin stories and things like that. And, really didn't want to do exactly the same thing 
the next one out because we didn't want to be trying to just recreate what we already did with um, the Crossroads Conundrum. And we have an idea for how we are positioning ourselves for this upcoming album. Um, we've got a, um, a really fun concept and it's, it's fun for us to even be able to say it's a fun concept when you're dealing with extreme metal. Um, so it's a fun way to package it. Um, if you want a sneak peek of some of the stuff that could be on that album, if you were to go back to all of the tales from Nocturnia Kickstarter campaigns and you look at any of the videos that are on the tales from Nocturnia campaigns, the music that's in there are all snippets of full songs that will be on the next album. So if you wanted to get a sneak peek, you can listen to those things and you could hear some of the music that has been turned into full songs, how that's going to, how that's going to interact or be involved with our IPs and with our titles. We'll let that be held to the side and held back until we actually decide to, you know, release that information but it's something that's been really fun and and like steph said about um about the air sequel um really it's been a really good thing for steph to be involved in that process she's already been involved in it um i had a lot of notes that i took uh, as i was even writing the crossroads conundrum and said hey when we get to the sequel the perilous prospects here's how we're going to do it and here here's the different things that are going to be out there and and when we were going through airs I had held back issue by issue, letting anybody know what was going to happen so they could experience it as a fan. That is not the position that Steph and I are in now as, as um, you know, as, as we've grown. And so I said, Hey, here's all the notes that I have for um, the perilous prospects. You know, these are just notes. These are things we could take this 10, 12 different directions. Um, let's put these things together and, and let's add in some of our own flair and, and, and make this into an actual story. And, and, and we've, we've been in the entry, the entry areas of doing that. And it's been super fun. And, and Steph has helped to take some of these, random ideas that I've had and try to, you know, craft them instead of just being a blob of Play-Doh, actually turn it into uh, something cool. Um, and, and a lot of people have asked us, is this going to be the end of everything tales from Nocturnia? Is it going to be the end of, of everything story-wise? Is it going to be the end of all of our characters? Um, we've always said we want to create characters that you can relate to and universes you want to escape into. We definitely intend on, finding ways to continue on with the stories that you could find in, in tales from Nocturnia. That's why it's also called tales. It's not just the single tale of what's happening right now. Um, one of the things that we've batted around is uh, doing a one shot for the stable maidens, not saying that that's what's going to happen, but we have, we could do a one shot for the stable maidens. We could do a couple of other different things. And, you know, we just want to see where, where inspiration leads us because we definitely don't want to see, um, the kingdom and the area of Nocturnia close with the end of issue three. We, we definitely want to see this story arc definitely close. And we feel like we found a very satisfying way to close off a lot of those loose ends that could be out there, but also leave enough room open so that if we needed or wanted to be able to continue on and do something else, we could do it without being disingenuous to the story. Well, the, the one word that keeps popping to mind when I, as I listen to you guys talk is creative. There's a lot of creative activity going on when you guys get together and, and these wonderful things happen. And it's just going to be great stuff. And, and I'm happy to hear there's there's more coming. How are people going to be able to keep up with what you're doing? I mean, on social media, I always like to let people know so they can follow you. I mean, what the, you have a website. 
talk about what the ways that people can keep up with what you're up to. So right now we try to push everybody primarily to our in symmetry creations pages and websites because that's the umbrella company that Steph and I have. And so if you go to insymmetrycreations.com, uh, which is I N S Y M M um, E T R Y in symmetry creations.com. That's going to get you to our, our main splash page so that that way you can find out what's going on with our titles. You can find out what's going on with, you can find out what's going on with our live appearances, which spoiler alert, isn't very much at this point in time. Um, then also on Facebook, it's forward slash in sim I N S Y M on Twitter. It is in sim creations. And then, um, Steph and I both are on um, Twitter at uh, at Dr. Anguish, at Dr. Anguish, and then at S. Cannon Comics. And then for Heirs of a Sealdor, you've got, you can go to Heirs of a Sealdor on any platform, and then whether it's website, any social medias, it's always Heirs of a Sealdor. If you want to get specific Tales from Nocturnia information, then you can go to um, talesfromnocturnia.com you can go to talesfromnocturnia on Facebook or you can go to tfnocturnia on Twitter cool Steph anything you want to add to that any other things that we can be looking for difficult because you know as we all know we're in the middle of the circumstances that we're all in the middle of and so we normally would take this opportunity to promote shows that we would be at and we're, we're really missing that uh, we hope, you know, that next year we can say that we're going to see people out there on the convention floors. I do think that there are ways for uh, smaller shows to happen. There's been some in-store signings that we've been able to do, and we are hoping to be able to do some more. So hopefully we'll be able to let people know where they can catch us, you know, in the Florida area. And who knows, maybe in the California area. I'm in California, Matt's in Florida. So, um, you know, we're just going to keep on, we, we, we have, we have a couple of fun things down the pipeline that we may not be able to talk about just yet. Even things that we just kind of just talked about today <laughs> or found out about today. So there definitely will be, but one of the things is we, we call ourselves in symmetry creations instead of in symmetry comics, because we want to make sure that we aren't holding ourselves to just comics. We want to, create any any avenue, any opportunity that we might be able to have so we hope to be able to have more of those different types of creations to present to everybody soon that's the creative process which i really love and you guys are very much involved with it's really great to see again it's tales from nocturnia number one to three plus complete legendary saga book and you guys are doing great. The Kickstarter is going super. I'm sure by the time this post, you'll have blown past that $9,000. And who knows, maybe $10,000 you are staring at. And the one thing we do want to say is if you're somebody that's a collector, if you're like, oh, man, you know, I, I know you guys had four covers for issue one and six covers for issue two and so on and so forth. We've had so many products that we've made over the over time that we knew we couldn't get them all involved into every single tier on our Kickstarter. We did put a list for add-ons uh, on the Kickstarter so you can see, hey, I want to add on the Inferians variant cover from issue two, and I want to add the Beth Varney variant cover from issue one. Um, you can go on there and take a look at that. Um, like you said, this is going to post on the last day of the campaign. We want to make sure that whether you are someone that is a day one backer or you're somebody that is still considering backing uh steph and i will do a live stream from 9 p.m till 10 p.m on the final day of the campaign 
we are one of the things we're known for is doing drawings and giving incentives to people that are new backers or can, or backers that we already have that that up their pledge. And then at the end of the campaign, once everything has been settled with Kickstarter, we'll go again and do another live and we'll start doing drawings for collectibles or other things that um, as other incentives that we could give out. So whether you're somebody that backed us 30 plus days ago, or whether you're somebody that's just getting ready to back us or thinking about backing us, there could be a reason for you to, uh, to watch that live stream from nine to 10 on uh, Sunday, the 16th and see if you could find a way to get yourself a little incentive that could potentially go into uh, into your uh, your goodie bag. Where's that going to be? Where's the live stream going to be? Um, I would say if you go to uh, my Facebook page, um, that's probably going to go from my Facebook page. It might also go to Steph's. We might try to work out something with one of our friends that does, you know, does live streams on StreamYard. But at absolute minimum, if you go to the Matt Knowles Facebook page, that's going to be we know you'll be able to get to it from there at, at absolute minimum. Really cool. Well, you guys are doing such great stuff. So much fun. And I think not only is it opening up the world of steampunk, I think the people, I think, you know, you're, you're broadening the horizons of fiction and storytelling. So I, all I can tell you guys is like to, like I to, like to tell people, keep it up. You know, we need more of it. Well, thank you so much. And, and we just want to say, we, we always love coming on this show with you and talking with you you ask really great questions and really kind of delve into the psyche of why we do things and our stories. And we just always, it's just always a blast talking with you. So we appreciate that. Likewise with you guys. Anytime you want to be on, just let me know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Wayne. examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator, something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.